Hello, online community. Welcome to, uh, to church again. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. I'm super stoked about uh, being with you today, man. It was a really rich time already. I want to tell you a story about my uh, earliest days of becoming a Christian. Um, this is, uh, check out this great photo. This is a 74 Chevy Nova. And um, yeah, it's not, it wasn't my car. And uh, it's the only picture on the entire internet that wasn't uh, licensed and copyrighted that I could show you of a 74 Nova. But um, See, what happened was is that I got invited to a youth group uh, in middle school by a bunch of kids at my school. And it came at a really great time in my life and when I needed to know that God loved me. And these guys surrounded me, brought me to youth group, and somewhere around ninth grade probably, uh, there was a guy who was a, uh, he was at the local junior college. He'd been a high school football star at the local high school, and he had come to know Christ like his senior year in high school, and his name was Steve Knox. And Steve started working with the junior high group. Now, by the way, you may be praying, Ben prayed for the 47 junior hires that are finishing up camp and getting on the bus and coming down here. And I'm praying for them too. I'm praying for uh, Audrey. There's two Audreys on the trip. Some of you got name bands a couple of weeks ago and I'm praying for Audrey. And so, uh, but I am really praying not for the 47 junior hires, but for the seven adults <laughs> that are on that bus with them. And uh, so great. Um, and Steve Knox would drive on Friday night around and pick up me and all of my middle school buddies, ninth grade, we were in middle school back then, in his 74 Nova. And he would pick us up and he, we thought he was the coolest guy ever. And we also could not believe how great his car was. He told us his car was the fastest car in Oakland and we believed him. <laughs> and uh, we'd go for french fries and Cokes and then we would spend the evening doing whatever talking about the Lord, going out to the beach, showing up at other people's houses, TP in the youth pastor's house, going to somewhere to watch movies together, like we would hang out and Steve hung out with us every Friday night, like he had nothing better to do. And I found and came to understand a deep love for Jesus, because that dude showed up in my life in his Nova and spent Friday nights with me when I was in ninth grade. Come on now. This idea, how beautiful is that picture? Because it's so Jesus, right? That it's so incarnational that he gave himself to me. Time, money, Nova, and he showed up in person for me. You know, we're in this series called So, So Good, and it's really five, it's five things we get to share with the world, and we've talked about sharing our story with them, we've talked about sharing our community with them, but this morning I just wanted us to camp on this thought that we get to share with the world. It's so good we get to share this, our time and resources. What a lame title of a sermon. We share our time and resources. You know what I mean to say? What I should have just said? We get to share ourselves, you guys. We get to share our lives. We get to be personally with people to love them and share the good news of Jesus. And that's how it works, person on person, life on life. And I wanna talk more about that. It just, I've experienced that over and over and over again in my life. You know, it, we shouldn't have, it shouldn't be that far away from our consciousness. It's Jesus' teaching. For goodness sakes, Jake from State Farm understands it, right? I mean, it's like, like, like you know what? Like a good neighbor, say it with me. That's incarnational ministry, friends. Present 
there in it with us. And this wasn't Jake's idea. This was Jesus's idea. In fact, it's the scripture's idea to talk about neighbor. And, that's, uh, uh, and, and that has come up several times in Jesus' teaching. It comes up in the Old Testament. And I want to study a passage where Jesus did some teaching around that idea of being someone's neighbor. Isn't that a great word? Neighbor. And what that just feels like to us. So I'm going to have, we're going to do a little Bible study. I'm actually going to come out there in the, uh, with you and I'm going to walk around. So I want everybody to get a Bible and we're going to look at, at Luke 10. I don't, I'm not going to have it on the screen. So you actually have to have a Bible in front of you. So everybody grab a Bible uh, or, or, and it'd be great if you grabbed a Bible rather than your device so that we're on the same uh, translation, right? You can use your device if you use the NIV. Luke chapter 10. Um, in the Bible, in the church's Bibles, somebody, if you guys, these guys in the front row might need one. So you can hand one over there to them. Um, it's on page 1040, you know, like the taxes. All right. There's my 1040. Thank you. Um, Luke 10, verse, verse, starting in verse 25. And what I want to do is I want to read through it, you guys. And this is uh, Jesus' most famous parable. And I'm hoping you have fresh eyes. I hope you have fresh eyes for this parable. It's one of the, probably the, maybe one of the two first, top one or two, like well-known. Like we're like, tell me one of Jesus' parables. You'd be like, right? The good Samaritan. But I want us to see it with fresh eyes. And I want us to ask this question. What does it look like? to share our time and resources. What does it look like to be a good neighbor? This is the best neighbor I could think of. What does it look like? <laughs> a little golf applause, that's awesome, for Mr. Rogers. It's worth thinking, like, why do we feel that way about him? Uh, what does it look like, as we read through this text, to share our lives, to be incarnational, to show up and have our lives be there. This is so good. You guys, the life that Jesus has given us is so good that we get to share it with people. So what does it look like? So that'll be your job as soon as I'm done reading it, then we'll talk a little bit more, okay, about uh, have you shared some things. And I'm not going to call on you unless um, you're looking particularly sheepish and not wanting to make eye contact with me. <laughs> it's not true. I won't put anybody... And so uh, for those of you online, I'll try to repeat uh, people's comments as briefly as I can. So we'll keep our stuff uh, brief. But let's do a little Bible study together, okay? What do you see in this text that what does it look like to share our time and our resources, to share our life, to be incarnational? All right, well, it starts with um, Jesus having a conversation and then he tells a story. So verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. Now this, by the way, that is just a very common, that's a very common Jewish conversation, very common Jewish religious conversation, very common conversation among Jewish leaders to be like, all right, how do we live it out? How do we live out this thing? We're God's chosen people. He loves us. He's given us his law. How do we do this thing? And they're asking the question, how do we find life? Like what's the life that God has for us as his people? Good question, right? So he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, what is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? Oh, how great is that? Why do you, by the way, Jesus, we think Socrates invented the Socratic method. This is Jesus turning around and just asking him a question. Why do you think Jesus asked him a question? Somebody tell me, why do you think Jesus asked him the question? Yeah? So he can answer himself. 
Right, so he can own the answer, he can answer it himself, good. Yeah, like that works, doesn't it? When you get somebody asks you the question, you go, all right, well, all right, well, let me internalize the answer. And that's what I'm asking all of us to do as we look in the word here. So, all right, Jesus turns around and says, well, what's written in the law? What do you think it says? And he answered, verse 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, uh, sorry, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now that sounds familiar to you, doesn't it? Right, that's been in the scriptures. Jesus said it in two other places. That would have been an extra credit question, like, where, you know, like what's different between this time and the other times? The other times Jesus said it, people said, what's the most important thing? What should we do? And Jesus answered it. Here, Jesus goes, what do you, what do you think it says? And the guy answered it, which tells us that it's sort of the common Jewish knowledge, like, here's the summary of the deal. Like, love God, love people. Love people, love Jesus. So we used to tell our kids every day when we sent them off to school. So this is the summary of the law. And the guy says it. This is it. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answered him. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. I love this, by the way, a little nerdiness, uh, the, the word correctly. You've, ac- you've answered uh, orthodoxly. Orthos is the Greek word. That's the correct answer. And a little bit implied in that, Jesus is like, that's the right answer but that's not the whole thing. So how, where are we going to go from here, right? A lot of us have the right answers. Okay, he goes, oh, you got the right answer. So do this and you'll live. Because that's what his question was. How do we find life? But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Hmm. What do you think he was doing there? Sorry? Maybe he was trying to, to justify himself. He was trying to be like, so great. I want to limit. She, so she said, Janet said, I, I, the limit who he needed to help. He's like, can we just qualify it? Because otherwise that seems a little big and a little terrifying. Yeah. That's probably what he was doing, right? It's not unlike us. We got the right answers. And then we're like, how do I live out that right answer, frankly? in sort of the least costly, easiest way that comes most naturally and won't be too hard or stretching for me. Yeah. He may also have been, there may be a positive thing here. May have been, he might've been saying, all right, I want to do that. I want to justify myself. I want to do it right. So what do I do? So Jesus tells a story with this guy's longing for life and goes, all right, who's the neighbor? Jesus goes, okay, I'm going to tell you who the neighbor is. And he tells this story. And this is your This is where you're going to come back to me and go, what does it look like for us to give our lives, share our lives with people, our time and our resources? Verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, all right, wait, we're gonna have to say that. Many of you know about Samaritans. It's priests, Levites, you've heard that language. These are religious leaders, the priests. They, they governed over all the services of the temple, in particular, the sacrifices. The Levites, they were assistants, they were the helpers. They helped make all the ministry in the temple happen. So these are two, this is a pastor and associate pastor, came by. And then the Samaritan came by. 
I can go way down this road, Google it, look on your, on your uh, um, Bible with color on every page, but a Samaritan was not a full Jew. A Samaritan were people that were, lived differently from the Jews. They believed differently from the Jews. There was a racist thing going on, and the Jewish people were at odds with the Samaritans, and the Samaritans were at odds with the Jews. We know this from lots of other places in the text. So now Jesus is telling the story. He's like, great religious leader. Who's my neighbor? And he's telling a story. Oh, the religious guy walked by, didn't do anything. The other religious guy walked by and do anything, and then a Samaritan showed up. Can you imagine the crowd? They're like, what's he going to say? Okay. So it's just, that's all we need to know about Samaritans for today's purposes. But so as he traveled, so a Samaritan came by and as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Well, the expert, of course, answered wisely, correctly, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Oh, it's the word of the Lord. Is that not a great story when you really drill down into it? Now, what does it look like, you guys? What does incarnation look like? The good, we get, this is so good, this life we have with Christ. What does it look like that we get to share it with people? What do you learn from this text? What are some insights you see from the text? Insights from anywhere in the story. Yeah. Great. She said, it just like you, you act like you believe in God, you're not necessarily doing it or acting it out. I mean, just like you say you believe in God, you're not necessarily acting it out and doing his kingdom work. Thank you. That's good. Yeah. What else do you see in this text? Yeah, Emily. So I remember how in the 90s there was the saying, what would Jesus do? In the 90s, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think it was the 90s. I kind yeah. of watched it on TV. What would Jesus do? Yeah. But anyway, um, it's kind of that. So what would Jesus do in every situation? So even if it's a person that you wouldn't necessarily... Um, connect with or interact with or liked or that person was your enemy kind of like love your enemy yeah so just what to me what the text just says is what would jesus do in the situation good let me and repeat that's the that. answer to being a neighbor good let me repeat that she said the answer basically her summary and she said it better than this the answer to what would uh, who's your neighbor is what would jesus do and even if it's that person who you necessarily don't get along with or relate to and love your enemy that's Jesus' teaching that's what we learn from the text. Yeah, what else do you see in the text? What words in the text jump out at you? What phrases, what truth? Yeah, Anthony. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, I was thinking, we love ourselves so much. Yeah, we love ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, good. Good. So, and, and he, he basically was saying, it, it says, and it's an Old Testament verse, the guy's quoting, Jesus taught it in other places, love your neighbor as yourself. So the defining quality of loving our neighbor is, hmm, I'm pretty good at loving myself, right? So what does that look like? And I actually don't end up loving myself, but I, that operating system needs to change, but that's the quality of it. Yeah, Matt. There seemed to be a lot of generosity from the Samaritan as well. Generosity. I'm repeating that. 
a lot of generosity in this uh, story. Oil, wine, whatever you need, generosity is a marker of it. Man, can you, are you, are you guys missing that in the text? Like, that is in there. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, Gigi. Yeah. Gigi said, I can just see the priest and Levite saying, bless you. Well, they didn't. They didn't even do that. They didn't cross over. And I say, bless you all the time. So thanks for the conviction. <laughs> um, but yes, right? And, they, and it's, it, love is in action. So what we learn about the, you know, what does it look like to share time and resources, there's action involved. And that's something that Mia was really getting at as well. Yeah, a couple more. Ted. Um, well... Ted just said, it says, love your neighbor. And the example of that in this text was, and, and I love that insight, verse 30, what, three? That he, the Samaritan took pity. It was an actual true love because it was a heart thing, right? The action was rooted in his heart for him. Wow, that's good. All right, I got one more. Who wanted to, yeah. Um, I mean, I see the text as in like, don't be selfish in a way. You know, all of us, we really think about ourselves Don't, she said, I look, I look at this as like, just it's basically saying, don't be selfish. And, uh, and I want to make a joke that you won't get till later in my sermon, so I'm not going to, but I think, right? Wow, there's a word, don't be selfish. If I had any guts, I would tell you, church. Don't be selfish. That's clearly not what this is about. All right, listen, I, a couple things I want to point out, and I'm just going to wrap up our time. When you look at the last couple of verses, first, uh, that, well, before I even get to the last couple of verses, when you, the text was, this guy said, whether for good or for mixed motivation or for trying to, trying to get out of it, he's like, oh, the whole law summed up in love God and love people. Well, who are the people I should love and how do I do that? He asked the question. Jesus sums it up by telling this question. This, I mean, this, this story, this parable. And so as we look at it, we're going to go, we're, I mean, we're like, we're struck by it, right? All these things you guys just said. He's going to, the religious people are going to come and not have what it takes to actually meet some of these needs if they're just going to be religious about it and just going to spout words. They just bless you, be warm and filled, and then do nothing to do to help the needs. I mean, it's a radical story. And then he starts with the Samaritan. He's like, oh, no, by the way, these are people who don't get along. Like, he just goes right to the, cuts right to the chase. And then the Samaritan is somebody, Matt, you said it, the generosity in it. So the Samaritan, look what the Samaritan does. Jesus is like, oh, you want to know what your neighbor is? First of all, it's somebody you don't get along with or that you love naturally at least, right? So that's, so that's hard. And then you're going to, what does he do? He wraps his, his wounds. Now we're getting messy. And what was he, a doctor? He wasn't carrying bandages, you know what it means? He ripped off his own, one of his own layers of clothes and cut them in strips. He used his own oil, which was there for, that's what you do when you, you use that for daily drinking, especially where water wasn't found. He was in the desert. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, wine and oil is a healing thing, and oil was also like a, um, um, like a currency. Like, like it cost the dude his own stuff. And then it says he put him on his, what, his own donkey, and then he takes him to an inn. And what does it say there? 
Did you miss that in the text? He took him to the inn and he did what? He took care of him. That is way too general for my liking. He's like, well, whatever it takes. Like God has asked me to go life on life with this person. Because we don't live that generously. We don't live with those kinds of margins in our lives. We don't, like I think we want to. I just think we just can't get there. We're like, oh my gosh. And by the way, what did he give him? He gave him two denarii. If you look in your, your, your study Bible, a denarii is a day's wage. He gave him two days wages. I don't know what you make, but in anybody's economy, that is a lot of money. And if you do the math, you're like, okay, wait, maybe if, what if they worked five days a week? I think they probably worked six, but what if they worked five days a week? If they worked five days a week, there's 20 days in a month. He gave him a tenth. Oh, here we go. Now let's preach the tithe. <laughs> it was costly. But he did it, as Ted pointed out, out of deep pity. That word deep pity is a word that means from his guts. He felt it in his guts. There was some Listen, there was some character, some God-like love that comes from God, that comes from the deepest places. It's used of God all the time about us. And it was out of that that he could be so generous. It was real. And he couldn't fake it. And he couldn't muster it himself. It came from somewhere else. So who's our neighbor? It's everybody that God puts in our way that we can then give generously to. Now we're overwhelmed by that reality, you guys. The last couple verses of it, listen, is really characteristic too. Jesus said, so which of these do you think was a neighbor to the one who fell into the hands of the robber? Look at that last verse, verse 36, M card. The expert in the law said the one who had what? Mercy on him. That's a feel word. That's an entering into someone's pain word. That's a I've been, I've experienced loss word. Mercy. And that characterizes what Jesus said. Oh, you want to know how to enter into somebody's life? Have mercy on them. Why did that guy need mercy, you guys? Because he got jacked by the world. This is our call. It is so good what God has given us. And we get to share it with the world. And what's the characteristics of it? It's mercy. It's people who have been broken and messed up and victimized by no fault of their own. You're like, no fault of his own. He was on the wrong road. He shouldn't have gone out at night. He should have, whatever. He got jacked. And he needed mercy. And God's people come alongside and go, I'm going to take care of you. That is a beautiful and inspiring picture. I want to be that man. Do you not want to be that person? But it is hard. And I've got to finish my few minutes I have left with you. I just want to finish by thinking through this idea of being willing to live like that is not easy to say the least. And so I just got to address the obstacles in this. Like, why? So then what prevents us from living that way? What a beautiful picture. And we don't live that way all the time. These guys' stories were amazing about what they're doing. And my story about the Nova should have told us that. And the seven adults that are on the bus with the 47 junior hires right now. By the way, we couldn't have a church with youth group that has 47 middle schoolers at camp without adults who are like, I got you. This is my version of the Nova. So great. But still, we know there's obstacles. I'm going to give you the three obstacles. I'm not even going to go down the scriptures that, uh, that are involved because it's all over the Bible. But here it is. I'm going to say two really hard things and then one medium hard thing. Okay, ready? 
Unfortunately, I didn't start, but here's the first one. Obstacle number one, plain old-fashioned selfishness. I'm so selfish. Do you love this photo? I got this photo off of, off of the, you know, the, the media website that we subscribe to or whatever, and it was all, it's all characterized as positive. I choose me. <laughs> no, that makes my point. Because selfishness is when we're oriented, you guys, around me and around my money and my resources and my time and my choices. And when I'm done with me, I don't have anything left for anybody else because I prioritize me. That is not a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ says, as he was going on the way, he saw a person who needed mercy because the world had jacked them and he poured out his life into that person. And that is costly. And it's so easy to get up here and get all excited about it and get all passionate about it. But the obstacle is, man, my life's about me. And so that requires some fundamental shift in my life. And I'll give you an, uh, some, some thoughts about that in a minute. But that idea uh, is one of stewards. It's a stewardship problem. Because I think it's my time, it's my money, it's my resources, this is what I have. But stewardship says, no, actually, all of that is God's. He's given it to me. And as his bond servant, I'll steward it. And when he asks me to care, then I'll care for somebody. He asks me to, to spend it for somebody, I'll spend it for somebody. But the fundamental shift of that's not mine. It's his. Helps tremendously. So, but none of us are like that. None of you are like that. I'm like that. Obstacle one is plain old-fashioned selfishness. Obstacle number two to living this way is cardiovascular disease. It's about a hard heart. It's not just like I'm first, but it's also like, actually, I just don't feel a lot. And that's what we were talking about, about this Samaritans. Like out of deep pity, he did something. You guys just, there's only two solutions. And it, so that, therefore it's simple, to a hard heart. Really? And does anybody else want to cop to a hard heart in the room sometimes? It's the hard heart's just like, I don't, I don't think I care enough. Two solutions to a hard heart. Number one, we lean into this triune God. And number two, we lean into people face to face. And both of those soften our hearts. You lean into the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be transformed to be more like him. That's what happens that's what happens. And so we do spiritual disciplines, you guys. We do the spiritual practices. We put ourselves in the way of the Holy Spirit. And we're like, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. In my mind, I love your ways, God. But in my body, I find another thing going on. So change me. And he does. That's why these old saints that you're like, that person loves Jesus. That's amazing. Their personality, blah, blah, blah. That's not their personality. That is Jesus who has transformed them because they did the time, and they leaned into him. Lean into the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we're changed. Secondly, we lean into people. We lean in face-to-face -face into people. They came across our paths, we look at them in the eyes, and we feel deeply the way they have been jacked. And we're like, I am here for you. And when you look into somebody's face, and you hear their story, and you walk a mile in their shoes, then you become part of that journey, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said. Oh, come on. That's so good. All right. That's obstacle number two. But none of us are selfish and none of us have hard hearts. So that we can just move right on from those. The last thing is this, this is a solution. And band, why don't you guys come out? Because we want to finish. This, the obstacle is our lives are out of control. Our time management, our resource management is unmanaged. 
It's chaos. Doesn't this picture just give you stress? <laughs> it's a picture of our lives. Our lives give us stress. Our lives are unmanaged. Our lives are out of control. And so when we say, I love this picture, I want to be the person, I wanted the religious people who went by and just ignored it. Those religious people, like you guys, they were like, I got things to do. I got religious services to do. I got other, like I've been working already. I've already been serving God in the temple. I'm going home down to, Jer to Jer Jericho. Like whatever. Like they had all their stuff. And we're like, I want to be the person who's like, I'm here. I'm going to stay two days with you in the inn and take care of you. Like that is crazy talk. We just think there's just impossible for us to live like that. And the reason we can't live like this, and this is what I was alluding to later, is we literally are out of control. There's no purpose. There's no direction. There's no self-discipline. There's no structure. There's no priorities. You guys, we're out of control. We're bouncing around from one good thing to the next mediocre thing to wasting time. And I'm saying right now, this is the third time. I'm going to show you this verse. It's the third time I've used it this year, and I'm preaching to myself from Ephesians, listen, that we it, be very careful how you live. It matters how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the world is jacking people. <laughs> and if we don't have margins in our lives, just saying that word makes my heart calm down. Where we say, Lord, my life, my time, my money. I'm planning on having plenty of that to spare for whatever you have for me today, this week. Doesn't that sound sweet? And none of us somehow, we feel free because we feel like the world's gonna be like, what are you doing? How come everybody wants to be busy? Are you busy? You're so busy. Everybody always comes up to me as a pastor. You're so busy. I'm like, I'm not busy. What do you wanna do? Like, like I wanna be that person more and more. So when the Holy Spirit goes, man, there's somebody that I want to bring across your path that the world has proverbially beaten and taken left for dead, I'm going to give you what you need to share oil and wine and bandages and housing and take care of them. That's the life that Jesus answered. The, that's the life Jesus told us about when he answered the question, you want to find life? Then live like this. Wow. So maybe one takeaway for us is to begin to think to do a fearless moral inventory, a fearless financial inventory, a fearless calendar inventory and say, how am I living? And do I have the space to be God's person tomorrow for whoever he brings across my path? Now you're all like, yeah, but then there's complex problems and I invite the person in my home and I have children. No, no, you're going to be wise. You're going to take care of yourself. You're going to put the oxygen on them before you try to help others. You're going to do, like, I get all that. But to settle the issue that I'll be God's person and that I'll have margins in my life to be able to follow the Holy Spirit is what Jesus said. It's what Jake said from State Farm. <laughs> is what it looks like to be a neighbor. The incarnation of the love of God Remember the last phrase? Who's the neighbor? The one who showed mercy because the person needed it. Jesus goes, go and do that and you'll find life. You'll find life. Ah, may that be us. May that be you. Let's stand and respond in worship to the Lord.